Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Ganga, with Consultant 360, a multidisciplinary medical information network. Dr. Jeremy Adler is here to speak with us today about his session at AIBD 2022 titled The Real-World Impact of Quality of Care in Pediatric IBD Care. Dr. Adler is a pediatric gastroenterologist and the director of the Pediatric Inflammatory Bowel Disease Program at the C.S. Mott Children's Hospital at the University of Michigan Hospital in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Adler. Please provide a brief overview of your session at AIBD 2022, The Real-World Impact of Quality of Care in Pediatric IBD Care. Yeah, thanks. I'm honored to be giving this talk at that session. There's so much to cover in a short time. I'm going to talk about many aspects of quality of care. I think the the key feature is that it's important for us to be delivering the right treatments to the right patient at the right time. And this covers a, a broad area, everything from making sure that we minimize the delay in diagnosis and treatment so we get started on, on treatment right away, and also making sure that we're really starting off with our best first choice of medication, because oftentimes that's our, our best chance to get things under control. I'm going to talk about quality improvement and how that has really helped to improve care, both in terms of improving the delivery of care for pediatric patients with inflammatory bowel disease, but also improving outcomes for the for kids with IBD. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time focusing on areas of care where we still need to improve. Some of those include like barriers to care, some related to social determinants of health and equity, because we really need to be giving you know, the best care to everybody. How does the treatment of Crohn's disease differ in pediatric patients compared with adult patients? And then how do you believe pediatric gastroenterologists can ensure the best care plan for their patients? Yeah, these are really good questions. So, you know, it, many aspects of Crohn's disease are similar or the same in children and in adults, but there are some really key differences. In one important aspect is that Crohn's disease tends to be more aggressive in kids than in adults. Children are more likely to develop, you know, fistulas and strictures and certain disease complications than adults are. And that sort of emphasizes the importance of getting the disease under control before complications develop to prevent those complications. The other thing that's specific to kids is kids are growing and developing both physically and emotionally. And it's not just good enough to improve symptoms. It's not just good enough to make sure that kids are feeling better, but we need to make sure that they have catch-up growth. They normalize their growth. They grow to their full potential. And that you know, development, both physical development in terms of puberty, but also emotional development and growth, it is really an important aspect of any child growing up, particularly a kid with a, a, with a chronic illness. On that note, it's really important to be supporting kids' mental health because chronic disease is hard for anybody, and it's particularly, and adolescence is a difficult time for everybody, and having both at the same time is particularly challenging. And then the other thing is we all in medicine know of the downsides of steroids, of, you know, like prednisone and things like that. They can be, uh, they have lots of side effects, but they're particularly harmful for growing children, and they can, they can cause weakening of the bones that can last throughout life to the point where people develop osteoporosis at an early age, can cause stunting of growth. So we try very hard to avoid steroids, at least avoid prolonged steroids in children with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis for that matter. 
What are some emerging therapies for treating Crohn's disease in pediatric patients? Yeah, that's a tricky question. It depends on what you mean by emerging therapies. I mean, on the one hand, we have access to the same medicines that the adult gastroenterologists have access to. There's always a delay in approving these medicines for pediatrics. So uh, in some ways, what's already available for adults might be the emerging therapies for pediatrics because they haven't yet gone through the process of FDA approval. But the uh, pediatricians and pediatric gastroenterologists have always been on the leading edge of using biologic medications and small molecule, the newer medicines, mostly because they're so effective at not only treating the disease, but preventing the need for steroids. And that is and continues to be at the forefront of our minds. So I'd say in terms of emerging therapies, it's it's the same medicines we just want to be able to have access to kids. The issue is one is approval and two is getting the dosing right for smaller children because they're often not studied in younger children at the beginning. What are some of the gaps involving pediatric Crohn disease, in your opinion? Yeah, another, I mean, and this is actually related to the previous question. So one of the big gaps is is access to medication. So some of the newer medicines and maybe not even new anymore, ustekinumab, vetalizumab, upadacinib, these new medicines aren't approved uh, by the FDA. And it's not to say they don't work for pediatrics, and we still use them because when other medicines don't work, you have to turn to the medicines available. But the gap, the lag in time between uh, the approval for these medicines for use in adults and the approval for these medicines for use in kids is many, many years long. And that's unfortunate because it makes it difficult to treat to treat kids. I'd say that's more of the clinical gap. And it's clinical, but also research is, is you know, how do we, since kids have tend to have more aggressive disease, how do we you know, best treat them, not only so that they feel well, but to prevent complications? And I think prevention is a really important piece of this, is... You know, if we could prevent fistulas, prevent strictures, it would be much better than to try and uh, you know, treat them once they once those complications develop. It's really hard to treat some of those things. And I think one of the other gaps, and this this is both again both a research and a clinical gap, is in the youngest children, the children with very early onset IBD, which is kids whose disease is first presents itself under age six six years they tend to have at least a higher likelihood of having some immune dysregulation or other underlying features of the immune system or genetics that are contributing to that form their version of inflammatory bowel disease. And there's still much to be, much that we need to learn about those kids. There's new immune pathways and and genetic variants that are being discovered pretty much every month or every week. And uh, some of those will both you know, provide an opportunity. There's, there may be different treatments for some of those immune pathways, but, but they, they also are a, a tremendous challenge for, for taking care of those kids. So there's a lot we still need to learn in that space of the VEO-IBD, the very early onset IBD. You mentioned in the first question, when you were describing your session, barriers. What are some of the barriers in terms of pediatric care of Crohn's disease or IBD in general? Yeah, I think of, of barriers in a few ways. I mean, one is the barrier to di- barriers to diagnosis, and that can be everything from the first line physician, whether it's a primary care 
physician or emergency room or urgent care. Like the first line physician recognizing that this is inflammatory bowel disease in the first place, because there are many different ways that IBD can present itself, and there, particularly Crohn's disease can have varying ways of showing itself in kids. And sometimes it's simply they're just not growing well, or they can have what appears to be mystery anemia. They don't always have the the classic textbook symptoms. And if the primary care physician doesn't recognize that this is Crohn's disease, they may refer them maybe to another specialist or maybe focus on other aspects of, of health. And while they're trying to do right for the patient, that can lead to a delay in diagnosis. And the longer the disease goes untreated, the, the worse it gets. So there's the first, the recognition of the disease, and then there's the access to the gastroenterologist. There's not nearly as many pediatric gastroenterologists as there are adult gastroenterologists, and everybody seems to be short-staffed. So sometimes it takes a while to get kids in, even if they're suspected of having you know, inflammatory bowel disease. So there's that aspect of diagnostic delay. And then the treatment delay is really frustrating. So once you have diagnosed a child with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, the medicines that you know really are the appropriate first-line treatment, many insurance companies don't have policies in place that literally are barriers to care. They don't allow the appropriate standard of care medications to be used as first-line treatment. And they want you to try a couple of other medicines which are well-documented to be ineffective for Crohn's disease, but they have policies that say you need to try and fill this medicine first. And what that does is that leaves kids sicker longer and the disease gets worse. So that's a barrier that's created by policy that requiring people to be treated with medicines that are known to be known to be ineffective. So those are two aspects of barriers, but those sort of cut across all people. But the one other issue that I think comes up is failure to recognize that somebody might be at risk of having inflammatory bowel disease. And I think this is particularly true for non-white patients because historically, the literature shows that IBD is more common among white patients, among patients of Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry. And while there that may be true, it certainly happens in all populations on earth. And I think there's a problem sometimes that people don't recognize that someone might have Crohn's disease because they don't fit into the textbook picture of what they expect. And I think that through nobody's fault, but it can lead to diagnostic delay, which again leads to people being sicker at the time they're diagnosed. So I, I think we have to educate our peers and really raise the level of awareness and raise the level of suspicion that anybody can have inflammatory bowel disease from any race, any ethnic background, young or old. And so, you know, physicians need to be thinking about this. And it seems that the overarching message is delaying care at any age could lead to more problems down the line. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Delaying care, both in the sense of delaying diagnosis and in the sense of delaying getting on the right therapy, that's longer time that the disease is is active, longer time that the disease has time to cause damage, and it, and it does lead to worse outcomes. Going back to your session, what are the overall take-home messages that you believe will come from from it? Yes, thank you. So I'd say the overall theme of the of the session is that we really need to be improving care for all of our patients. And that is both relating to improving the processes of care. So we're providing the best care to everybody, but also paying attention to those groups that we may not be paying enough attention to, to make sure we're really reaching everyone with our improvement efforts. And I think 
beyond our own practice of medicine, our own practice of, of GI, I think advocacy is really important. We do this every day, advocating for our patients when we're petitioning insurance company. But I think we need to advocate both on the individual patient level, but also on the local and national level to change policies that stand in the way of, of providing the right care to uh, or the appropriate first-line care to our patients. Thank you for taking time out of your day to speak with us. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, but I really appreciate it. I, I really appreciate your attention to this because uh, this is really, really important. And if you're going to be at this session, I'll show some data on how much progress we've made. And I don't want to paint a picture of gloom and doom because the care we provide is so much better than it used to be. And the outcomes are so much better than they used to be. But we still can do better. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Adler. We, we do appreciate you taking time out of your day to speak with us. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.